Indiana, we are simply passing through history. This, this is history. Hold on to your butts. Now, what shall we talk about? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the final episode of season one of Duel of the Greats podcast, folks. If you've been with us all season, which I hope you have, then you know from last week that we crowned Steven Spielberg the victor of season one Duel of the Greats by a margin, slim margin of eight to seven. Now, with all that taken, uh, all that taken care of, we thought a couple things would be fun this week. First, we just kind of talk about what we learned from the season, from about the directors, about the movies, about ourselves during the show, the the first season. And then also get uh, our producer Brandon's take on this because Brandon is joining us this week more than just a man at the soundboard. He is a man with sound and he's going to be talking us through his, what he would have said for each week. Uh, and whether he thinks we got it right or wrong. Brandon, how, how are Thank you for, for joining us in voice this week. Thank you for having me. I very much appreciate it. Hey, you know, anytime, considering we wouldn't have this if not for you. So <laughs> here we are, our wonderful producer. So let's, let's start off with that. I think that'd be fun. We'll, we'll start off with that, okay? So um, we have... We got the weeks all pulled up here, so we'll take a trip, a quick recap trip through memory lane here. And well, before we uh, do we'll, this, we'll start. A, we'll just go through each week. So I have, a, so I have two two things I want to let you know before we get into it. Is that if that's okay? Okay. So sure. My winner was of eight out of six, and I disagreed eight with out of six, like eight to six. And eight to six. Oh, I see. Like even before. And I disagreed with you guys on four movies or four weeks. Ooh, this will be interesting. So, but go right ahead. Let's let's go do your recap. It's a lot of weeks. (laughs) The real duel. The real duel was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, first week one, first movies. That was our theme there, and the first movies were Steven Spielberg's Duel and Ridley Scott's The Duelists. Of course, the, the two movies that combined gave us the namesake for this show. Um, neither, none of us had seen any of those movies, except Nate had seen The Duel, I think, years ago. Uh, I'm sorry, Duel years ago. So, um, But that was kind of it. So this was mostly first experience for all of us. And we ended up choosing Ridley Scott's The Duelists as as the best. Brandon, what was your take on it? What was your vote on it? Were all three of you? Where was there one? No. Of- I voted for the no, Steve, for duel. Steve went for, which was off to a great start because Steve, <laughs> the the Ridley Scott guy, voted for right. Spielberg, and I, the Spielberg guy, voted for Scott, and Ridley Scott won. So that I, was that was quite the auspicious start to this podcast. Here. I voted with the show with the duelists. There we go. All right, one for one, off to a good start. <laughs> uh, second week, 
was um, Frankenstein Week, Monster Week. Uh, we went two of the most famous movies from both these directors, Steven Spielberg's Jaws versus Ridley Scott's Alien. So um, Spielberg's Jaws out on this one. Um, it's just such an epic, like uh, just a touch point cultural movie, I think was kind of we leaned towards that one a little bit more so than Alien is, even though they both kind of are. So Brandon, where, where'd you come out on that one? So I will say that my vote on this was mostly due to lasting impact for me at the age. So both these movies came out in the 80s to where I'm like, you know, most impressionable and affected me the longest in terms of just uh, whether I would want to watch it again or not in terms of like how good it was. And this would be our first disagreement because I picked Alien because that Jaws, I see, I grew up in Southern California. I was in the beach all the time and I jaw like sharks have always been like, they're dangerous, be careful. And it's just kind of like, okay, they're sharks. I know they're dangerous, who cares? Alien freaked me the hell out. And I think it's something that just lasted with me longer. And I like sharks, the shark in Jaws just seemed too campy for me every time I saw it. And it just never really, I think that's honestly, I know that's very trivial in all of how you guys broke everything down. But like that, I think, is what got me the most and why I, I tended to lean towards Alien over Jaws. What I mean, was our breakdown on that? Does know. anyone remember? I know as I, know I was going I through, I, I don't know that I could remember exactly. I, I went Jaws I went too. Jaws. I think you went million. I really don't remember. I I wanted like I I love aliens so much I was kinda leaning towards that, but I think what put it over the top for me is just the sort of just how iconic and, and groundbreaking Jaws was. <clears throat> Cause I think we 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 had talked about um without Jaws there is no alien because the pitch from for Alien to the studio heads was Jaws in Space. Right. So I, and you know, I think that plays a lot into, we've discussed this. I think me and Jeff have a lot and I know you guys have brought it up at the podcast one time. I'm not a big star Wars guy. And I, but I know that without star Wars, a lot of my favorite movies would never exist. I can understand and appreciate the, what it has done for the genres and cinema and cinema in general, but it's not necessarily something that I liked as much as most people. That's totally fair. Um, next week three, we were at the best movie or, you know, Oscar winner week. So the, the two movies, which is still astounding to me that it's only two with these two directors, but, um, the two movies that have won best picture uh, from, from these directors, Steven Spielberg, Schindler's List and Ridley Scott's Gladiator, Brandon, which we came down with Schindler's List. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any way you can't pick Schindler's List. In the, that's, a the rough one. that's a rough one Being sweet. anything going up against schindler's list was was going to be tough so i still don't think gladiator is like really later, scott's best movie we'll talk about it later but the what what do you similar. think is his best movie? um then next uh probably kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> yeah calling it, calling it yeah calling it best movie only in the sense that just the by whatever right you know objective metric we have which is best picture oscar so yeah the the total subjective nature of films would mean that it's i wouldn't call it his best movie either far from it but um because i did I, I i dropped the line about how i had this is my most overrated movie of all time we'll keep moving off that um uh, then we went from best movie to worst movie uh which was steven spielberg's 1941 versus ridley scott's the counselor and we went to the counselor if i recall 
uh, we thought that despite how poor and awful both movies are, and they were bad, um, that the counselor at least swung for the fences, even if it whiffed horribly. Whereas 1941 was trying for a bunt and still missed. I, I agreed with the show, the counselor. Like the little baseball reference. My yes. history in baseball podcasting has paid <laughs> off right there. Boom. Well, but baseball, uh, and then baseball we, has enough just in general, you know, comparisons and, and euphemisms you can use towards all sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, there's probably the most filmed sport is baseball, I would say. Um, but that's a, that's a question for a different podcast. Neither of these two directors have done a baseball movie, so far as I understand. Um, I think Scott would do it. So well, we no, I, bet, I, bet, I bet Spielberg would probably do it better for the emotion. Spielberg would probably do it better, but I bet Ridley Scott would be more apt to do one, right? Because we, we kind of talked about with movies like White Squall and stuff where he's like, I just want to do one of a certain category, Black Rain, you know? So I wouldn't be surprised if he's, I want to do a sports movie because Ridley Scott, like uh, uh, William Friedkin, who, uh, RIP, man, he just passed away a couple months ago while we were doing this he show. But um, Blue Chips. The great, the great. Oh, it's a good Exactly. Movie. That's what I was going to bring up, where you just like. One of my all-time favorite what? sports movies. Yeah. One, and I like I legitimately. Chips, man. That movie's so fun. It is a great movie. And it, like, is the last time that Shaq was perfectly cast in something. Like, he actually works oh, in God. that movie. As yeah, kind I mean, of his. Neon Boudot. Yeah, it's and it's sort of this obviously this fictionalized version of himself, but it actually it, like they cast him perfectly there. It works perfectly in that movie. Yes, absolutely. And uh, speaking of William Friedkin, I talked about my most overrated movie, Gladiator. One of my most underrated movies of all time, according to the list I made years ago, was Bug from William Friedkin. You all need to check that movie out. It is fantastic. Okay, I don't know if you've seen that. But it actually, it's not a William so Friedkin to me podcast. For some it stars Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon. Very good movie. Henry, uh, Harry Connick Jr., fantastic. Go watch it. Um, so we went from worst movie uh, to week five. So at this point, we were two to two, right? Off to a uh, you know very very close start to the the season. Went to week five. That was our playing God week. We talked about Spielberg's Jurassic Park and the Lost World as a sort of bundle compared with um, Ridley Scott's Prometheus and Alien Covenant, both of which are you know Alien sort of. Um, neither were sequels, but uh, to Alien, but sort of in that same universe and and you know, very clearly in the same themes. So uh, we came out with Prometheus and Alien Covenant on that one, lifting, doing a lot of the heavy lifting as Prometheus in that. Uh, Brandon, what what did you feel? Uh, same with you guys. Uh, I really, really, really loved Prometheus too, and I mean it was like one of those. Like, I remember leaving the movie theater and was ready to go back and see it again the next day just because we wanted to break, me and a buddy of mine wanted to break down every aspect of it compared to everything we knew about Alien. For sure. Uh, from there, we went to Cyberpunk Detective Week with the two Philip A. Dick stories on, on display here. It was Steven Spielberg's Minority Report and Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. So we went with Minority Report. Um... But Steve was was vehement about his Blade Runner choice. So Brandon, where I think did you I come pulled out? us to, I pulled us to Minority Report on that week. That was one where Steve was really arguing for Blade Runner and had good points. Yes, I I really thought I was gonna pick Blade Runner, and the more I thought about it, and even went back and listened to that episode, I, I ended up falling with Minority Report. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Boom. Minority Report was way better than I thought it would be. So it was a really, really minority good, report. It was a tough week. 
Minority Report and War of the Worlds are two movies that I think, and I kind of talked about this in my dissertation on War of the Worlds last week, but um, two movies that I felt like, and part of Spielberg's sort of thing is earlier in his career, he was a little bit more inventive, but you know, for the last 25-ish years, um, he's been pretty, he hasn't really brought anything new to the table, but he's perfected what he does to such a degree that it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to go against. Uh, and Minority Report was a good example of that for me. So we went from that to week seven, Spy versus Spy. Bridge of Spies versus Body of Lies. Uh, Bridge of Spies, Steven Spielberg, Body of Lies, Ridley Scott. We went with Bridge of Spies, Brandon. Body, I, went I think that was, this I went, was a I went body, clean I, sweep. I went with Body of Lies on this one. Really? Yep. What was what was the what was behind that? So, I now I want to say I I kept up with you guys in like making my picks up to uh, week ten. I remember at the time I was I wanted to like keep chiming in, but I didn't because I was so in the minority listening to you three talk. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't really go back and tell you now, but like if I if I like made notes, I probably could have had a conversation with you about it. But I remember listening to you guys going like, "Am I thinking of a different movie?" Like I just couldn't in my head like wrap it up to where I pulled it up online and like watched the Feel first like fifteen if minutes. You, uh... Go ahead. Sorry, no. I you I, this. I think you cut out on my end. Oh, and so I, I said I was saying. So um, I went through that. and watched the first fifteen minutes just to make sure I was thinking of the right movie, and I was like, "Yeah, this is the movie I was thinking of." So, yeah, and I think if if you're wanting a little bit more action in your spy movie, then Body of Lies is probably gonna. gonna I, and I can tell you that does play into it. Not completely, but that does play into it. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, from there, we went to week eight. On the run week, Steven Spielberg's Sugarland Express went up against Ridley Scott's Thelma and Louise. Uh, this is another one that's a rough week, but this one was for Spielberg. Yeah. I, I think Th this is a, another sweep. Thelma and Louise. You mean Scott? What? Don't, don't you mean for, you said for Spielberg. Don't you mean for Scott? Yeah, it was a rough week for Spielberg. Like oh, it's rough wow, to go gotcha, up against the gotcha, Thelma and Louise. Sorry. Yeah, Thelma and Louise. I, that's one of those movies that I will always and forever just be like, oh, that's on TV. I'm going to watch it. And I just think between those two, that was a pretty easy pick for which movie to go with. That might have been my favorite movie that I hadn't seen yet in this whole experiment with Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise? Yeah, what a what a great movie. Well, you went a really long time without seeing that movie. I know. I know. There's a lot of classics even, I haven't seen. An even longer don't, time without don't seeing ask The Silence him. of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask him how long it's been since he's seen The Godfather, which would be his whole life. I we had a discussion at, at work today. The whole thing. You know, this is a thing. A fellow that... coworker. 
as long as I've known Steve, he's not seen The Godfather. And even, like, his mom is in, my aunt is into The Godfather and, like, loves Marlon Brando and stuff. Now it's almost become comical to the point that I don't want him to ever see it. Like, it's almost part, it's almost part of, like, his persona that he's his never seen star. it. And, like, I, I almost kind of appreciate that he's gotten this far without seeing it. Like, you do you, man. Don't see it. It's, it's all good. Committed to the bit. I tried. I watched, like, the first hour of Here it. Here lies Steven never... Spielberg or Steven uh, Steven. Shepard. Yeah, I, I should I should watch it. It's just such Realize a commitment. Stephen Shepard. Like, I never saw The Godfather. <laughs> you guys should that do trash. Some, you should do some one-off episodes where you all get to pick one movie none of you have seen, and you all sit and watch it, and then have an episode about it. That would be fun. We could do a mystery science theater type watch along. <laughs> I've done one of those before on a podcast. For uh. For a baseball game or a baseball movie? Neither. <laughs> Neither. Pitch Perfect took on a life of its own oh, on Royals Twitter right. in the early in the early 2010s, and um, that's yeah. So that was, and I still to this day love the the entire Pitch Perfect trilogy. So um, my issue at there this is point there here, was a trilogy what, deserved, deserved. Um, so moving on at this point after week eight, we were we were knotted up again at four to four. So then we moved on to week nine. War is hell week. This is the one where we had my cousin Carson on to talk about his experience flying Black Hawk helicopters in the um, in the army, which, of course, tied into Ridley Scott's Black Hawk Down, which went up against Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan. Uh, this was probably one of the tougher weeks. And I definitely think for me, this was one of those weeks where it was tougher than I anticipated. I came in thinking it was going to be a slam dunk for saving private Ryan. And I still went that way as did Nate, but Steve went Blackhawk down and it was, it was much closer for me than I thought going in from my previous experiences with the movies. Brandon, where did you come out on? I actually got a quick question for you about that for the three of you. Um, did you guys after talking to Jeff's cousin, did it make it harder for you to make any or make it easier for you to make your choice? Taking into his what his knowledge of not only seeing how they film this stuff, but the accuracy of it and just listening to his story was any of did any of that persuade you to go, man, I don't know. I really guess Black Hawk Down really was a good movie or anything like that at all. I thought his input was just fantastic, but it didn't change my mind of what I thought about the motion pictures. In a way, actually, it probably strengthened my pick of Saving Private Ryan because I felt like what he ultimately talked about, just sort of the nature of humanity and all of us, and like that I feel like those themes are more prevalent in Saving Private Ryan. So but it didn't really... For me, it didn't affect my opinion of what I thought of the movies. I thought he was phenomenal and gave great insight, but it didn't change what I thought cinematically. Um, yeah, I don't know that it had a huge impact, but I... go ahead. I was just gonna say, my I did. I also ran with Saving Private Ryan. It's hard wrong, to it's wrong. hard to beat Saving Private Ryan. Steve Blackhawk Down, Blackhawk Down should have won. Give us your rundown again. Because yeah, I didn't I didn't think what Carson said necessarily impacted my overall decision, but it did kind of add a little bit because you. You do question with all those kind of things, you know, how realistic is part A or part B or whatever of the movie. And, uh, you know, from his standpoint, 
most of it was pretty realistic. So it was like, you know, that 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 does carry some weight when you can when you can talk about how if a director can portray something that makes someone who actually experienced some modicum of what was going on think that it's realistic, then that's pretty good in my eyes. But um, anyway, next we went on to week 10, Con Men Week. Steven Spielberg's Catch Me If You Can went up against Ridley Scott's Matchstick Men. This one went to Matchstick Men. Uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, I believe, Nate, you and I went Matchstick Men. Steve went Catch Me If You Can. Um, and yeah, that's how it uh, it was. That was it. This is probably, when I look back, this is probably the toughest week for me. I thought um, that, like, if I'm gun to my head asked which movie I enjoy more and would want to watch in any given point, I'm probably going to say Catch Me If You Can. And I might even think it was a better movie. But this is the one where the theme really became the great equalizer because the idea was, you know, which one captured the theme here? And I thought Matchstick Men went, and that's why I ended up going that way. And I think I was the deciding vote. Brandon, what did you what did you feel on these? I I, I think Steve was right. <laughs> Not in the long run. You don't hear me say that's this often. Right. This is one. This is the one week where I will maybe admit that my pick might have been wrong. Ooh, that, recount, yeah, I, recount. Yeah. Well, he'll, he'll, <laughs> stop he'll, the he'll, count. You, you understand that gives another one to Spielberg, <laughs> to further elevates his win. Um, yeah, this is one where it's like every time I think of it, and I God, I like both movies so much and so equally, but I do feel like I I think I kind of feel the same way as Jeff that if like if I were gun to my head, asked like which one I just enjoy watching more, it might be Catch Me If You Can. And not Matchstick Men. So I, I'm acknowledging this is the one week where I think I will I'll look back on it and say I might not have been right there. Every the, other than that, I am spotless. Okay, never made a mistake <laughs> in my life. You're looking at an unblemished record of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. uh, so from there we went to uh, week eleven, follow the leader week. Steven Spielberg's Lincoln versus Ridley Scott's American Gangster. I believed I was the one, like Lincoln himself, standing up there on my own, championing Lincoln. And uh, both both the others went. Steven Nate went for American Gangster. Brandon, where did you come out on this? American Gangster. I just right, that's right. It's so good. I think this was Jeff's the only week that I was for I was on my own. So then we go to week twelve, getting towards the final stretch here was our stranded week. This was the week where Steven Spielberg's The Terminal got Nate incredibly emotional. And uh, Ridley Scott's The Martian was where he uh, went up against. And I believe Steve and I went with The Martian and Nate went with uh, The Terminal. Did you actually go with The Terminal? Or was it, that was just kind of your... Oh, no, I, I, I can't remember for on The it. Terminal. I had that whole tearful thing where I talked about the end and the American dream. And, and I, I, I still would stand by that. I, I really rewatching that movie has probably been my favorite rewatch of any movie that I've that I've seen this season. I just really get won over by that movie. Interesting. That's interesting phrase. Brandon, what did uh, what did you think? So the terminal is easily one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies. And like I have always recommended that movie to a lot of people. And I want to say when you guys were recording, I was like 
well, the terminal. Nate's right. Everybody else is wrong. Um, but I read the book again for a second time, and then I rewatched Martian. And I ended up going, I, you know, I think maybe they might be right just in the way. I think just from start to finish, the way it was made and the way they were able to do it, especially with Matt Damon doing so much of that by himself and conveying so much by himself. I think that just kind of the Tom Hanks had a lot of co-stars to go off of. And whereas Matt Damon did a lot by himself and to me, and I just, it was one of those, I, I ended up picking the Martian, sure. but Nate, Nate everything man. you ever think of the terminal, hundred percent agree with. It is an amazing movie. And like I said, one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies. I would actually probably argue that the Martian might be Ridley Scott's most rewatchable movie. Um, it definitely of the ones that we went over this season, but even still to the rest of his catalog, I would, I would probably argue that. I would agree. It's one of my quote unquote favorite movies for that reason. It, it feels Has, like a, like a nice maybe, warm cup of tea. Yeah. Maybe the, Gladiator would be the only other one that qualifies as I think it has his most commercial appeal without sacrificing the auteur elements that make him Ridley Scott. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so from there, uh, so at this point, Ridley Scott had a commanding lead. weeks to go or three weeks to go technically but um so next was the coming of age week this uh, was steven spielberg's et versus ridley scott's white squall um we you know we tried hard to come up with a good theme on this one and i think we all kind of agreed once we got into it and started going with the show that that maybe Maybe this wasn't the best aligned of the two movies, uh, but this was an easy victory for E.T. Brandon, please don't disappoint me and pick White Squall. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Jeff. I agree. <laughs> E.T. E.T. Oh, no. is so easy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the fake out. The fake out. All right. And then, so now we're at seven to six, and we're coming up to the final week, which was our Freaky Friday week just a couple weeks ago, and it was where we had all the actors who had crossover performances uh, we had seven actors that we looked at, and if I recall correctly, the the final um, tally was that we all picked four of the actors had better performances in Spielberg movies, and three had better performances in Ridley Scott movies, which of course meant that Spielberg won. Too many actors and uh, movies to name, but Brandon, what what did you think? Did you did you agree with? I I, agree, I agreed with you. Spielberg just I felt like gets the most out of. Because he gets multiple good actors in a movie. And I feel like while Ridley Scott has a couple where he's gotten several good actors as a whole, just getting the most out of all the actors they have, I feel Spielberg does a better job at it. There you go. So that, that tied us up going into the final week, which was just last episode. We rest our case. I pled my case for Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Steve pled his case for Kingdom for Ridley Scott's Kingdom of Heaven director's cut. And I think I know which way you're going on this one, Brandon. But but what did you? It's, uh, it's the, the ultimate winner was was Nate siding with War of the Worlds for me. But Brandon, it's it's, it's Kingdom of Heaven, and I will tell you, Steve, even if it hadn't been Kingdom of Heaven, your closing argument would have completely pushed me over the edge 
to Kingdom of Heaven. Why, thank you. I, I appreciate it. It <laughs> came from the heart. And I think, really, we won the argument. I think Nate voted not for War of the Worlds, but for Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Can yes. I can I can I speak more to that? This is my big <laughs> profound because here's and you're not entirely wrong. I just can't. Steve, you reference like this legal thing, like the sniff test of like the, yeah, the red face test. Can you stand in front of a judge and say it without being embarrassed? The, basically, the red face test. And I just that's one that I mean, I wouldn't be embarrassed to say Ridley Scott is a better filmmaker. It just didn't feel right on a cultural level. It's it's impossible for me regardless of week by week. And again, like if Ridley Scott would have clearly won, I would have given it to Ridley Scott. But the fact that it was tied, it's hard for me to look at the guy that made Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year and be like, yeah, he's not, you know, he's not as good. I, I told you, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I, I came into all this that, being the Ridley said, Scott guy. But I think <laughs> I maybe realized that I like Steven Spielberg a little bit better overall. The reasons that I liked, I thought I liked Ridley Scott growing up and... All that are still valid, but they're 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 less important to me than than they were. And I like him now for different reasons. Whereas Steven Spielberg, when I'm going into a Steven Spielberg movie, I just I feel a sense of joy. There's gonna be like even it sounds. Please don't cut this part out. Even Schindler's List, <laughs> but Whoa. there's a sense of cinematic joy that you know you're gonna be well taken care of in terms of a viewer of a movie. You know, you're going to go on a journey here that is something that can only be done in this medium, and the the master craftsman has you in his in his hands, and you know you're on you know you're in for a good ride. I think we also talked earlier this season about like it's okay, and I think we did this a lot this year, where it's okay to separate your favorite from what is the best. So like my favorite current filmmaker is David Fincher. But in this, and I, I like his movies. I love his movies. Um, at the same time, I wouldn't ever say that David Fincher has been more important than Steven Spielberg. Even if I could line up several David Fincher films that I personally personally like more, I could probably do that with several filmmakers. Um, I could, uh, you know, I could do that with probably even Tarantino, uh, maybe Scorsese to a certain extent. It's difficult for me to say that any of those people is more important than Spielberg, and that's okay. I think the analogy I gave earlier in the season is like, you know, Sgt. Pepper's is the Beatles' best album, but is it them at their most Beatles? Like, it doesn't, you know, it's okay to still say that, you know, Rubber Soul is your favorite Beatles album. And I feel like that's kind of what we ended up doing this season, and particularly you, Steve, of like, you can say Ridley Scott is your favorite filmmaker and also acknowledge that Steven Spielberg is just more important culturally. And it's, you can look outside of your, framework and still think that and say that and like both these things at the same time and had you actually compared kingdom of heaven and war of worlds to themselves instead of the directors that's what you would have been saying at the end of the last episode i, I would have i would have said that i i mean i still think war of the worlds is a terrific i think they're very even i think that's a like if i were grading it just as a normal week i would say those two are very very even um right right now i feel like i am the Kansas City Chiefs after the 2022 Super Bowl and Steve's <laughs> over there complaining about a holding call in the end zone and how he actually should have won because he won the argument and won the week and Nate voted on full body of work and not just the movie at, at hand I'm feeling right now Nate had a full jersey hold of it um 
so my my ultimate winner was Ridley Scott. And I said disagreed on four movies. That included last week, three if you didn't count last week, because if you went off of Ridley Scott's eight to six, we wouldn't have had to have had last week. And but will but to our point, will you admit you agree that Spielberg is culturally more important? Oh, hundred percent. This is the point. This is I think this is what we learned about ourselves. This is it. We're coming to the final answer. This is what we learned about ourselves. That, like we just Yeah, and you know Spielberg, there's just something about that identity. It's so like it's so synonymous with Americana that it's it's difficult to separate him from that. Yeah, like if ninety nine out of a hundred people you're gonna say Steven Spielberg, they're gonna have a very, very clear image that comes to their head. Then when you have that same 100 people or, or a different 100 people and you say Ridley Scott, 75 of them might have a very clear image. And then another 20 might have to think about it for a minute. And then five or so would be like, who's Ridley Scott? You know, and it's just whereas there'd only be like the one person <laughs> who lived under a rock for the last 40 years who doesn't know who Steven Spielberg is. Um, even though Ridley Scott is is just is still a name brand, like I think there's there's not that same level of recognition that you have with with Spielberg. And again, I think that Spielberg has affected I think this is really re- prevalent when you look at like we talked about like gaming, how there's like a whole entire modern video game culture that Saving Private Ryan basically invented. Like you just asked the question of like when you think of Steven Spielberg, what do you think of? One of the first things I think of is like the the old school Universal Studios theme park in Florida that had a bunch of like the Jaws ride. It's I mean it's his legacy permeates it actually goes outside of the movies in in these really really big ways and i just don't think we think of any other filmmaker of our lifetime quite in that way like we do spielberg and you know along the same lines of what steve what you were talking about talking talking about what we learned through these uh, through this season i think the big thing for me i came into this season thinking that this was going to be a runaway for Steven Spielberg because of what we just talked about, right? That just that he's that cultural touchstone guy. Everyone knows Spielberg. Everyone loves at least one Spielberg movies. They're just, even if you don't like him as your favorite, you know, you still gotta, you still gotta, you know, respect the man, right. And the talent. And uh, so I came in thinking that, okay, what are we going to do when it's like five to nothing Spielberg in week five, you know, how are we going to make this interesting? And, I didn't have to we didn't have to cross that bridge because it just became interesting on its own, because I realized that, you know, one, what I kind of talked about earlier, that the sort of theme was the great equalizer here, because, you know, I think that's what Ridley Scott does better than Spielberg is is sort of themes. Um, Sometimes it's a big swing and a miss, but he's always going for it. And when he hits it out of the park, he's he's he really does. Whereas, you know, Spielberg's constantly getting doubles and he'll occasionally knock one out. But. Uh, you know, I think there's kind of a we're, we're we're really heating up with the baseball references on this one this episode, but um, just in time for football season. Yeah, we're we're very timely on this podcast, <laughs> right? There we go. There, Steve. The, Ridley Scott's always going for the Hail Mary. Sometimes it gets swatted down, but you know, other times. Whereas Spielberg, you know, he's dinking and dunking. He's giving your 15 yard slants, whatever. You know, there we go. There's a football reference. I got them all. I got you want a basketball one? Let's do this. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but. But seriously, with uh, with Ridley Scott, you know, I, I kind of was like, I was shocked at how much I, how close they actually were, sort of in in just 
their filmographies and, and talent levels. And I think I kind of mentioned at some point through the, the season, I think the only real difference here is you talk about Ridley Scott and Steven Spielberg. I think their ceilings are equally high, but their floor, Ridley Scott's floor is much lower and Spielberg's is, is a bit higher. And that's ultimately like when Nate, you're talking about body of work, right? I mean, that's, that's what you get. And I think there's also that sort of, for one reason or another, Spielberg's name became attached to these sort of cultural touchstone movies a little bit more than Ridley Scott's did, right? Like most people know about Alien and Blade Runner, but I think when most people think about Alien, they probably think James Cameron before they think Ridley Scott. And with Blade Runner, they think Harrison Ford before they think Ridley Scott, right? But when you think Jaws, you think Steven Spielberg. When you think Jurassic Park, you think Steven Spielberg. And, you know, even even Raiders of the Lost Ark with Harrison Ford, you're still like that's Spielberg's brand right there, even with how iconic Harrison Ford was in that role. So, yeah, it's uh, even going up against all that. I was still kind of surprised at how much I was like, you know what? This isn't as far off as I thought, especially when I think for me, my favorite rewatch was was Thelma and Louise. And that was the one where I really kind of where it really hit me during this season where I was just like, man, you know, I knew he was good, but there's just some really great filmmaking here. And this is, you know, this is really one of them. I don't think we could have picked any two, any better pair to start this experiment. It kind of all worked perfectly. I mean, I think you put these two together and is there any more influential pair of American or excuse me, uh, Western filmmakers in the last 50 years, at least our lifetimes for sure. Like just look at their body of work since the early eighties. And it's, it's astounding. So it was, this was a fun, fun thought experiment. I'd say just a tease for season two. I'd say the only one that goes up there with them is probably Scorsese. I mean, he's maybe the one that, you know, you would think of as like, he's still, he's still making film. I think Francis Ford Coppola, who directed a movie called The Godfather? Um, that I don't know. If Never heard of it. What? I don't okay. know. If you, I don't know if you, have you heard of this one, Steve? <laughs> um, so um, they even made a sequel to it. Um, I, I would have at one time maybe said. I bet the sequel was like horrible because they're usually yeah. not that good. <laughs> yeah, the sequel's never as good. It's impossible. Right. Right. Never as good. Um, at one time, I probably would have said him. Um, but he hasn't continued making movies in the way that Spielberg and Scorsese have. Um, uh, so, and, and Ridley Scott for that matter. So yeah. Yeah. We I need to talk more about that, by the way, Ridley Scott's 85. Well, he's getting up there. He's, he's made more movies though in the last 20 years than he did in the previous 20. Like he's really ramped it up these last years. I just, one thing to add to kind of what you were talking about with Scorsese, like, I still remember when Scorsese won his first yes, and only to this point Oscar um, that he it was up on the stage to give it to him was Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola and James Cameron, you know, all just who had um, or no, no, sorry. It was uh, Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola and uh, George Lucas. And George Lucas was the only one that hadn't won an Oscar, of course, but, you know, created maybe the most cultural touchstone of, of all of them uh but anyway that was just kind of an idea of like when you when you get those three directors on the stage at the same time to hand a you're doing Oscar something to someone like scorsese that kind of yeah that kind of shows you what pantheon you're talking about here 
So it's interesting that you mentioned, I don't want to go too far afield, but my the hypothesis I put forward about any two filmmakers, you know, having as big of an impact. I didn't even think about James Cameron until you just said him. And he's made more money than probably all these guys put together at this point. I don't know if that's true, but you know, between the avatars and, and Titanic and Terminator, I mean, there's something Steven Spielberg has this cultural resonance and he's made a shit ton of money, but he just, like Nate said, there's something about, he just captures this essence of Americana and, and he's, he's a part of the fabric of our kind of culture in a way that like avatar isn't, you know? I mean, obviously, I'm choose, picking and choosing James Cameron movies because others are, like Terminator, but it seems like for a while there, every movie Spielberg made just became something that was just integral to pop culture and still is. And that's just, that's that's crazy. It would have been, it would have been kind of nuts to come up with anybody besides him to win our first uh, duel. So real quick, I was looking this up. I'm not I'm not counting Gladiator that comes out next year, but in the in the last ten years, or since 2010, he's made ten movies. Ridley Scott, and in the 2000s, he made nine movies, and then in the 90s, he only made four movies, and then it just got it gets smaller and smaller going back. But the last 20 years, he's made more movies than the first two decades he was making. And hell, 2000. 17 he released alien covenant all the money in the world 2021 the last duel in house of gucci he's been prolific in the last half decade to decade it's it's really quite stunning at i wonder what he's yeah at <laughs> some, 85. Of that, some of that may be a financing thing like at a certain point in his career it was hard for him to get money probably well he said just after gladiators when i think it really started to pick up where it's just like he kind of got to a point where it's like i'm ridley scott <laughs> i'm making this movie any actor that i would want would want to be in the movie and would want to work with me and i can finance a movie very quickly and prepare a shooting schedule and a pre-production and a production schedule that allows me to make this movie and that and that i think he just kind of wields that power so probably a lot of that is actually kind of a money thing that he can just if Ridley Scott decides he wants to make a movie and he has an idea for a movie and he has a script or a screenwriter who's like, he's going to make that movie. And probably that was not the case even after Alien. I mean, that was probably not the case in the 80s or the 90s. So an interesting fact, if you look through all this, so his first movie was in 77. Not until White Squall and G.I. Jane did he do a movie for the same distributor. And that was Buena Vista. And then... Again, no movie back-to-back for another one until 20th Century Fox was Kingdom of Heaven and a good year in 2005 and 2006. But then 2012 to 2017, he did five pictures back-to-back for 20th Century Fox. So he obviously signed a deal in there to get the funding he wanted to do whatever he wanted. Which which came off right off the heels of Bodies of Lies and Robin Hood. Well, something, too, I think, for both of these directors that probably doesn't mean too much to the lay people like us, but to Hollywood, it matters. I don't hardly recall any hearing any real issues on in terms of like production issues for related to the director. 
right? Like there's the famous Spielberg and the, the, the shark doesn't work in Jaws. And, you know, we talked about how they started shooting Gladiator with like 40 pages of a script or whatever. So like there are some things that they have to work through. But in terms of like um, issues that you might hear uh, some other directors go through, where they're, after, they're having to fire actors and get different actors and there's production delays and they're massively over budget. You never hear that about these two. And that matters to Hollywood. So like once that, that's why Clint Eastwood gets basically anything he wants because he, he shoots on schedule, he raps on schedule, he comes in under budget. And um, you can get money when you do that. And both these directors, for the most part, I'm sure if I went back through, we could find some some outliers there. But for the most part, you about pretty clean productions for for most of these uh most of what they've done i think that's a an important factor too what if that's just all right so uh like jeff's (laughs) (laughs) that was it (laughs) did they just like sopranos the ending of your podcast (laughs) (laughs) see you next year um so but so with that i think uh you know we've kind of put a little bit of a bow on on the season one here so um i think we can we can kind of talk about i think we've all we've all agreed on what we're going to do for season two um so we can reveal that now nate do you want to you want to be the give the big reveal here i will give the big reveal so season two is uh we've mentioned several times martin scorsese and uh we kind of what we've really liked doing is comparing two filmmakers that maybe aren't often compared a lot and kind of finding similar thematic themes uh so we're going to talk about martin scorsese versus spike lee so two filmmakers that have had really interesting careers who have courted a lot of controversy through their careers who um make films uh, very um indebted to um sort of like uh, racial or ethnic minorities. Martin Scorsese does a lot of movies about Italian-Americans and their experience in the United States. Um, And obviously Spike Lee uh, makes a lot of movies about the black experience, speaking to the black experience in the United States. So interesting thematic uh, frameworks that move through a lot of their movies. And we are excited to uh, compare those filmmakers, potentially have some interesting guests on to talk to us about some of those movies. And... um, Honestly, for next season, for me, just watching a lot of movies because I will tell you, uh, there's a lot of movies from both these filmmakers that I have still not seen. I've seen all the big famous ones, but I just haven't. There's a lot of like really big ones from both of them that I have still never seen. I'm going to be quite a bit less familiar with the movies these two from these two than I was for this current season. So, which is good because the movies that I was not familiar with in this one, like I really enjoyed watching them. I'm really glad that we had this so that I could see some of them. And I'm, I'm going to be the same, especially with Spike Lee. Cause I've seen a good amount of Scorsese, but with Spike Lee, I, I definitely um, slept on his quite a bit of his filmography. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. My favorite, favorite part of this entire endeavor has been watching some of these classics that I never for whatever reason, didn't didn't see growing up or as an adult. So this this will be really fun because I'm in the same boat as you all. I saw Do the Right Thing for the first time two years ago, so I'm really lacking. 
Speaking of classics, we're changing it. It's going to be Francis Ford Coppola going up against nobody. We're just going to watch The Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> Parts one and two. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would take part in that oh, podcast. Geez. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's how much I like it. So, uh, so yeah, but that parts one and two don't we don't need to talk about part three we we'll do the godfather versus carlito's way there you yeah. go there you go sure sure we'll bring <laughs> that will that'll stay in the test of time, right? there we go uh scarface i think that's probably that's that's a more appropriate one right you know i've never seen i've seen scarface i've seen scarface i've never seen carlito's way <laughs> <laughs> you almost had us. You almost had us on that one. I'll give you. I would give you more run uh, for or more leeway for missing Scarface than I will for. for really, I, I'm a white sure. guy who was uh, in college that, in the 2000s, Jeff. <laughs> and like, we all had the poster on yes. our wall. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, every and everyone seemed to miss the entire point of the movie. <laughs> really, I think had never seen yeah. the end of the movie and what Probably. and what. What the fate that befalls that character, but you know, I guess we wanted to emulate yeah. that. And <laughs> yeah, I turned it off after he bought the tiger. I don't know what happened. <laughs> okay, um, hate to break it to you, but anyway, uh, so I think that puts a nice, tidy little bow there on season one of Duel of the Greats for us, man. This I have had a blast with talking about these movies with you guys. I hope it has been the same for you, and I hope it's been the same. For all the listeners here, guys, any any parting thoughts here as as we as we sign off for season one? I have immensely enjoyed this, and I have gained new respect for my new friends and my cousin, and some of the uh, opinions that they have given about these movies. And I really do. I, I went into it as a very strong Spielberg guy, and I think I have a new respect for Ridley Scott and his body of work and what he has done for american uh, and british cinema world cinema well i've enjoyed listening to the three of you have these discussions i know i don't i don't partake as much as the everyone else and i just chime in every once in a while but it has been quite fun playing little back end giving you guys any info you asked for and but just listening to the three of you's dynamic has been very very fun and interesting on my end it's just frozen Stunned into silence. Still muted. He's still muted for me. He's Steve, good. why don't you give us your thoughts while Jeff figures out his life? <laughs> Can he hear us? Can you hear us? <laughs> Is he awake? My, on my side, he's frozen yeah. into like the. Uh, what's the girl? The pole vaulter girl who had like the dis- <laughs> the, the the little face like with the curled oh, lip. Uh... Oh, was her name? Michaela something. Oh, you can, you can hear us? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was frozen in that face for a long time. Oh, uh, we went fifteen and yeah. a half weeks so, with no tech. It well, you know, one, no, no major tech one issues. One horrible tech issue on my part, but other than that, the uh, well, I had my I had my Wi-Fi spot moved a couple weeks ago, but it's been fine. Since then, I don't know what it is about tonight that's been causing the issues. Alien. You streaming no, something somewhere? Is um, the wife up? Uh, they are probably streaming something. No probably about it. They are. Um, so because we only if they're watching something, it's streaming. They might both be watching separate things, which might part be 
be part of what it is. But are you close enough to run a cable? Anyway. No. I mean, that, that's the whole reason imagination limited I did by... it was because I wasn't close. <laughs> Cut off again. <laughs> you're making I'm, a point. I'm sorry. Right. I, Jeff, we just, need to this. just we need wrap, to wrap it up. <laughs> wrap it up. All right, all right, all right. Do I still need to say something to wrap it up? Okay. All right. All right. And with that, that, that will conclude season one of Duel of the Greats. Folks, thank you all for taking this journey with us. We, we truly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And we hope you'll come back for next season. Definitely stay posted to social media. We will post when uh, that will go live. It'll probably be next year in 2024. Um, but keep your eyes peeled for that. And in the meantime, uh, we may drop another special episode here or there. But uh, if you have any movie-related questions or tidbits or anything you want to pass along, feel free. So uh, until next season, uh, thanks a lot for listening, and, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>